Hello, and welcome to Ips Dixit, a podcast on legal scholarship. I'm your host, Brian L. Fry, Spears Gilbert, Associate Professor of Law at the University of Kentucky College of Law. And this week, uh, or rather for this program, I'm going to let my guest introduce himself. Well, uh, hello world. My name is King, live from prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's so, it's, so, it's so great to be talking to you, and I'm really excited to be getting your perspective. So I wonder, King, if you could just start by talking a little bit about your circumstances and just describing people to people what it's like to live in prison. All right. Well, you know, I think, especially for me, there's a lot of people with my same story, at least where, at least where the story started, right? I was, um, right before I turned 17, I was involved with gangs and I come from a broken home. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was really young. And instead of actually like giving me and my little sister love, they kind of just pitted us against each other. So I was out there looking for places to go. I was running away. I I was getting in a lot of fights, and um, which led to probation as a juvenile, which led to grand theft autos, which led to more probation. So I was always on the run or, or being a runaway and absconding from probation, and I eventually got involved with gangs. And it started as um, it started as just neighborhood gangs. And um, I'm, a, I'm from Orlando, so it started from like the, the the Orlando area neighborhood gangs, and then eventually it turned into. Uh, doing home evasions and um, which subsequently led to a botched robbery where someone got murdered. Um, when I was that young, I had a real warped sense of reality, a real warped sense of loyalty and love. And um, I let these dudes convince me to, to take the charge for them. And so I basically admitted to a murder. Uh, uh, it was, it was uh, first degree murder, felony murder. And, you know, it kept them away from getting, all of them had kids and all of them were in the, anywhere from the age of like 20, 21 to all the way up to 36. And um, it ended up, I guess, I felt good because they weren't going to get the death penalty. I felt good, but I also felt like they told me I wasn't going to get life either. So I ended up getting two life sentences. Went to trial, got two life sentences. And... Um, came to prison. I just about a couple of days after I turned 18, I actually came to prison. I was in the county jail for almost two years. And, and you know, um, because we're such great decision makers as children, what did I do? Everything that brought me to prison, gangs and all that stuff, I joined another gang, an even bigger gang. Uh, I became a Latin king. And um, from there, it's just, it's, I'm not going to say that everyone that comes to prison needs to join a gang. However, Every young person that comes to prison either feels they need to join a gang, either is already in a gang, or, or sometimes they do need to join a gang. It's, it's, it's a very violent place when you're coming in so young because you don't actually know what to look for. You don't know what to be on point for. You don't know personality. You don't know yourself. So you don't know the the sharks that are lurking every, every, which way, every angle, every corner, there's always someone trying to get over on you, especially because you're young. They either know that you're impressionable and, um, you know, they're either trying to rape you or something, or they're trying to get involved in their criminal activities. They're trying to get you to to join their gangs to, because you're, 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 you're they're able to mold you at that young age. They're able to mold you, take you, and create you into something they want you to be. 
Mm. So I came to prison when I was 18 years old and um, I didn't fight my case off rip. I had a lawyer. I had the idea that a lawyer was going to help me out. I had all these things. I didn't know anything. I mean, yeah, I've been going to the juvenile detention center since I was like 13, 14. But in the juvenile detention center, you don't have a lawyer. No one has a lawyer. It's just you and the judge and your mom. So you never really, you don't have that experience with actually appeals. You don't have these experiences with, with going, you know, fighting your own case. Having The whole time I was in the, uh, what do we call the JIT dorm, the, the juvenile dorm, in in the county jail we never went to the law library we never did anything like that so when i come to prison it's i join a gang and i gang bang i fight i'm in the jit dorm i'm in the dorm where it's it's 21 and under uh we're popping off riots all we do is we have knives we we're, we're getting in fights every day with each other and we're also going through it with the police every time they come out we're throwing batteries at them it's just we're, we're wild we're wild and um Luckily, I say luckily, but there was a prison riot that when I was there in the juvenile dorm that kicked us all out of the juvenile dorm. And it was like 30, 40 of us. We got kicked out and all of us, they put us with the adults. And from there, I'm not going to say that it helped me out. However, it helped structure me a little bit where it wasn't just a whole bunch of kids around kids. They put me around some older dudes that were also Latin Kings that were some, 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 some older guys that took me and kind of gave me a little structure. Hey, you know, they don't want to get in trouble with the things that we're doing. They didn't want to get involved with the things, all that fighting and stuff. So they took us and, and they started giving me books to read. Books like uh, 48 Laws of Power, The 33 Strategies of War. They started me with those books, which led into uh, uh, different, like, um, which led me into reading Machiavelli, which led me into reading uh, a lot of um, Black Panther literature, a lot of uh, Young Lord literature, um, the Maoist, the Maoist international movement type stuff. And I started getting into a lot of this revolutionary aspect because that's part of the allure of being a Latin king to me. Um, that's kind of how they, I'm not going to say it tricked me, but they kind of uh, uh, sold that part to me when I was a kid about being a, this great revolutionary. And I started reading and I started getting really into it. And, um, you know, I got a lot of poetry that has to do with that stuff too. And... I just, that's where I think it started. My prison actually started when I moved to the adult dorm mm-hmm. because it was a lot more violent. It was a lot more violent. There was a lot of people that had life sentences over there. And I was able to actually do time now. I was able to actually not just be with a bunch of kids and, and playing sports and fighting. I was able to actually learn now and start. Even though I didn't learn much, I didn't learn much. I, I learned a, a warped sense of, of these ideas that I thought I knew so well then, you know. Um, but at the same time, I was around some guys that had some, some, some rank in this gang. And they started teaching me and kind of became my godfather in, in, in the gang. And, and I was able to raise in, in rank too. I was able to, to, to learn things that I probably shouldn't have as a juvenile. I mean, as being so young in the gang, but these people really liked me. Um, I also kind of uh, attribute that to my dad. My dad was a history teacher. And um, and he used to like, you know, I remember when I was a kid, he used to never uh, read me like storybooks. He used to read me like ancient myths and, and books of morals and, and that type of stuff. So when I take that and couple it with the stuff that I was learning through the, this gang lore and through all the our, our revolutionary uh, uh, socialist and Marxist and Che and all these, these, these people that I was following, um, George Jackson, I can just keep naming them. Um, these were just names that, these were just people that, that spoke to me. 
And I started trying to do time like that. However, you know, doing a lot of drugs to them, doing a lot of drugs because I didn't want to live in this, in this reality. You know, I knew I had life. Hold on for a second. Who's that? Uh, so uh, um, I, I knew I had life and um, I didn't want to live though in life. You know, I was young. I didn't even really understand that I had life yet. So I'm doing a lot of drugs, a lot of, it was a lot of weed back then, smoking a lot of weed. Um, every time all the little harder drugs come, we might get into that, but it was just a lot of weed just to numb it. Just, just, mm -hmm. just to numb the idea of uh, prison, life sense, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So as the years go by, I, I start selling a lot of drugs. I start, and I kind of don't really worry about my case. I got these quote unquote lawyers doing my case, lawyers doing my post-conviction case. So then I have a friend. He wasn't in the, he wasn't in the gang, but he was he was an older dude from my neighborhood. And hey, what they say? He's straight. All right. So um, my fault. Sometimes the police walk around, so I might have to stop for a second. But uh, so he came and he used to drag me, start dragging me to the law library, dragging me to the law library because he had he came in when he was eighteen and he had done about ten years already, and he's telling me like, "Yo, man, you're gonna regret not going. You're gonna regret not going." dragging me to the law, like breaking down, crying, like, yo, you got life, kid. What's wrong with you, man? Stop playing, going out there and play football. Stop going out there with the bullshit, man. Fight, man, fight, fight, fight. And so slowly but surely, I started getting into law, but I still wasn't fighting my case. I was I was putting my hands in, in, in these lawyers, right? And then I started getting my denials. I got one denial. Then I went to appeal it, another denial. And then I realized that my first lawyer messed up my, my ADPA time for my... my able to do the 2254s and the Fed Hague. So that got messed up. So I had like, by the time I started realizing what was going on, I had like four days left on my ADPA window. I had my, my federal 2254 time. And anyone that knows you can't do a 2254 in four days. And they're very strict on, on, on the laws. They're very strict on, on the time limitations. So then for a short period of time, I would say for like almost eight months, I didn't have anything in courts and I was fighting with the decision like, yo, what am I going to do, man? Am I going to just be in here forever? What am I going to do? Am I going to escape? <laughs> you know, these were things that I caught crossing my mind. Like, am I going to just, you know, try to become the rawest Latin king in the world and just live comfortably in here? And, you know, I came to that point where I chose, I chose to just, I'm going to be a rawest Latin king and eventually escape. I gave myself a time to escape and that's what I was going to do. Then, luckily, uh, Graham versus Florida came out. Mm. You know, Graham versus Florida was the juvenile life sentences that were not murder. The, the just, just uh, the non-homicide juvenile life sentences. Boom! So that gave me a little hope. I started learning law. Then I started getting into the law library. I started learning these things. I started just beating that law library down. Then, I, but I was still. Do I was still very active in my gang and I started raising in the ranks. I became almost like what you would call kind of like a state member of, mm -hmm. of the, 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 the Almighty Latin team. So now I was more than just my compound. I was running, I was running compounds. People, I was making shots. I was, I was, I was calling shots for different, different prisons. I wasn't the top dog, but I was in that, in that area now, in that bracket. So I was doing that along with, Fighting my case, fighting my case, and it's difficult. It's difficult, you know. Um, I'm not very biblical, and I, I don't really get into too much. Uh, I don't really get into too much um, to, to 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 religion much, I guess you would say. But 
there's there's parts of it that that makes sense and about serving two masters serving two masters has always made sense you can't choose to want to live choose freedom and live in here like you're have a life sentence you have to live like you want freedom right so i ended up getting in trouble uh forgot for what it was this time but i ended up going to basically the equivalent of the shoe unit in florida which is um CM. It's called uh, uh, Close Management. It's 24-hour lockdown. And basically, it was just because of my uh, gang status, my gang level, they sent me there. And while I was there, though, or right, actually, right before I got there, Miller versus Alabama came out and saved my life, right? It saved my life. Boom. Everything is starting to come into place now. Everything started to make sense now. All this studying, all this, the years of, uh, of studying things, studying philosophy, studying religion, studying all these different things that I studied throughout my, my, my probably at that time, uh, almost a decade in prison, probably about eight years, nine years in prison. Now, when I start learning law, when I start reading law, it becomes a lot easier to me now, right? So now that comes out, I start learning law. I start learning, I, I start uh, digging and anything that had to do with juvenile life sentence, murder. I started getting deep into these, 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 these different theories of law. So, you know, I go all the way back to Roper and see, you know, the decisions right there. And, and so I started fighting, I started fighting, I started fighting. Then I get locked up and I did a year on special management on, on, on single housing unit. And I had a brilliant lawyer then. I'm not going to say her name just because it, it might link back to me, you know, but, uh, I had a brilliant, brilliant lawyer, and she helped me out a lot while I was back there. She helped me out, um, sending me law journals all the time. She, she, she was really basically my first role model ever I've had. I've never had a role model, you know, growing up. Uh, uh, my parents hated each other so much that hate pushed off into me, and I didn't really like either one of them. And it, it, I never had anyone to look up to. I never really had any role models to look up to. I never had anyone that I thought cared about me enough to, to, for me to look up to them. And then I meet this, this lawyer that's so brilliant, that's so cool, that, that, that understands me, that, that actually cares. And sending me law journals, sending me, you know, sees my, I guess she saw my potential and, and fought for me, fought, fought harder than I was fighting for myself, man. And I, I, I held on to that. It was like hope. It was hope. And I held on to her belief in me. And I, I started learning law. I started learning law really to probably impress her, you know. Started learning law really just to have something to talk to her about, man. I started, you know, and I, and um, you know, I talked to her about doing Blackstone paralegal, and she was she was with it, man. So, you know, that and at this time, my parents, my my dad was coming really like back into my life a lot, and he paid for my my to become a paralegal. So I became a paralegal through Blackstone. And I just really started doing law then I started practicing it because I seen that, you know, how many kids and how many people were coming in like me when I was 18, 19, not knowing what to do with themselves, not knowing what to do with their lives. So I started doing cases. I started helping out, doing a lot of um, ineffective assistance counsel claims. I started doing, um, you know, state haves, which in Florida, they're um, um, ineffective assistance of appellate counsel, you know, I started um, because there's a lot of lawyers that don't care. You know, post-conviction is a very specific hold up. What's up? Busy right now, bro. I gotta come in real quick. What's up? What's up? Hold on. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> you did that for you, man. It's 7 o'clock. What's up? This is a pack from Joe. He said, you know you're good for it. All right. You know you're good for it. That's 15. He counted real fast. I gotta make it. Let me get some. 
So yeah, you have two draws. And then a very important yes, interview right now. All right, be good, bro. Bro, I've been, I've been out there all night waiting on you. Come out and do this for you. Yeah. No, my bad. No, no, no worries. Um, no we, worries. We, we could add parts of that in there, but let's move on to Let's see if they said any names or anything. I'll, I'll, right, I'll, so. I'll, I'll, cut, I'll cut out whatever we have to. But I, this is fascinating to me. And I wonder if okay. you could talk a little bit about the legal culture in prison and the extent okay. to which you feel like you do or don't have access to legal counsel and also the ways okay. in which you help other prisoners and also sort of what tools you are most valuable to you and also kind of like what tools might be helpful to people like you in, okay. in helping other prisoners. Awesome. awesome. Well, all right. Now, um, and yeah, cause I'm just rambling. I'm talking. So whenever you have a question, stop me and we can go mm-hmm. with the, in that direction. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of just giving you my story. So, mm-hmm. um, right now the legal system right now, the, 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 the legal, the legal world of prison is, is messed up. And I'm going to say this with it's different. Prison is different now. When I first came to prison, there were so many more people that were into education. There were so many more people into, into, you know, getting out of prison into, into, they, there was a lot more programs that, 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 that the prisons actually pushed that we don't have anymore. We don't have very few programs. There's very few prisons that actually have programs. And these prisons are only created to not have gang members, to not have people that get in a little bit of trouble, to not these prisons, they're called incentivized prisons that, that they just started in, in Florida. And this is where all these programs are. However, they're structured in their, 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 their abilities to go to these prisons. You can't be in no gang. You can't be in no gang because they're telling you you have to stay clean for four years. And if you're in a gang, that's just very difficult. It's very difficult. Just not because that you think you're going to get in trouble. You think you're, but it's just as, as, being in a gang and in prison, they, they, they can lock you up for anything. Any incident report happens in your dorm, you can go to jail for it and you can go on the shoot. So I say that to say this. Nowadays, there's a lot more people that are on drugs because it's easier to get drugs. I don't know how much y'all know in other states about um, what they call K2 or spice or this, what they call, it's like synthetic marijuana. It's not synthetic marijuana. It's, it's potpourri sprayed with like bug spray and these different poisons. And this is the epidemic that's going on in prison right now, in Florida prisons, because there's no piss test for it. You can't get in trouble for it. You can't, however, it's, it's killing these people, man. It's making these people so numb to what's going on. There's bra- it's, it's brain frying them, man. So the law libraries are not packed how they used to be. Um, and it, it bothers me. It, it, it disgusts me, really, man, that, that we're allowing this happen to ourselves, man. I really will get into the conspiracy theory and, and know that it's, yeah, I, I, that it's, 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 it's so many prisoners and, and so many officers that are bringing this stuff in to numb us. So we're not violent. So we don't stick together for anything, you know? So, uh, but the legal world in here is, is first off, Everybody that's in there that, that, that has a, 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 a law clerk certificate is not trying to help you. They're not. 
just like every lawyer that's out there is not trying to be the Brian Stevensons, you know, every lawyer is not trying to change stuff out there. There's some lawyers that won a few cases when they first came in and they still use those case laws 10 years later, man. You can't, you know, they're not. And it's the same thing with these people that, that are in here. There's people that will, will promise you evidentiary hearings. But what is evidentiary hearing? I, I, that just say, that's just putting something out there that's not on the record. But they'll, they'll, they'll trick these young dudes and make them pay all this money to them in, in, in canteen or, or, or in, in drugs. And they just, they're not gonna help. They're gonna trick them, they're gonna mess up their, they're gonna mess up their time. So very rarely, I would say probably one or two people on every compound actually, actually care about law, actually mm. care about helping people, mm. actually want to, to and, and I think it's more for a selfish reason too. I don't think it's just for helping people. I think it's because they wanna be the best, the, the, the best, prison lawyers out there, you know, because of what happened to us. How many lawyers do we feel shitted on us? You know, how many lawyers, when we're going through back through our transcripts, do we feel, man, he should have objected here, man, he should have, because all of us either had pet public defenders, all of us had, had, had these, these court appointed lawyers that, that, and I, and I don't hate public defenders, that brilliant lawyer I was telling you about was a public defender, but they're so far and few between, and they're so few mm. and far between that, that a brilliant pair, a, a, a brilliant, a brilliant PD is is either going to become a brilliant, you know, saying paid attorney, or she's just going to be a brilliant PD that 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 is not making that much money, or she's going to end up becoming a a federal defender, mm. right? So those were the those were the brilliant ones go to. Mm. So so it's it's in here we 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 try to we try to, 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 it's, 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 it's a lot of competition here. It's a lot of competitive stuff. And, and, you know, we're, we're all with that macho syndrome in Mm. here. So it is, it is, we're trying to be the best at what we do, which is good, which is actually good when it comes to the legal field, you know, which is actually good when it comes to, to trying to help people out, man, if I'm trying to be the best person Mm. I can be. Um, but so they recently within the last, I would say five, six years have brought us computers in the law library where before that it was all books. We had to learn how to, to navigate through these law libraries, these law books. We had to learn how to navigate through, um, uh, 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 shepherdize these things. And we had to, uh, you know, ancient, ancient stuff that is not used anymore. We had to do it up until probably like five, six years ago, man. And, um, so a lot of people are still stuck on that. A lot of people touch this computer that were great at doing law and have no idea what they're doing. They don't know the Boolean system to, you know what I'm saying, compare these words and, and, and grab these different phrases. They don't know how to do these things, man. So, um, wow. Wow. So, so, so yeah. I mean, I mean, one thing that I'm really interested in is that, you know, mm-hmm. you clearly have a really sophisticated understanding of the relevant case law and statutory law relevant to the issues that are confronting you and your fellow prisoners. I wonder, sort of, could you talk a little bit about how you learned about that information? Like, sort of, what is the sort of, like, prison law school experience like? And are there things that people like me can do that would be helpful okay yes um first off the prison law experience is phony these law clerk tests these law clerk tests it being a law clerk is not being a paralegal being a paralegal is when you actually go get your paralegal certificate being a law clerk in here they give you nine tests to take 
that a lot of the, the, the questions are outdated. You have to actually answer these questions wrong just to pass the freaking test, you know, because we all know that law is, is ever growing and expanding and changing. It, it, it's a changing philosophy where these tests are stagnant probably nine, 10 years ago, these tests were written. So law has changed. Um, even just, 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 just state law has changed. Just the state uh, administrative law as the admin, admin grievance process has changed in the last 10 years. However, they want us to learn and pass these nine exams that is not going to help you at all. It's not going to help anyone, you know? So it's basically just, Trial and error, trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. Um, I, I pay a lot of my my my, you know, my respects and how I learned law to two brilliant lawyers. The one that I started with and the one that I finished with. Okay, the, the one that I started with ended up becoming a federal defender because she was so brilliant, right? And then the one that I, I had used to be a federal defender, and he is now, um, he's he's he at that time he was doing death penalty work. And, you know, he, and then from there, he, um, now he's in DC doing admin work for the federal defenders. So these two lawyers and they're still in contact with me are just brilliant. And they basically gave me my know-hows. Learn this, learn this. This is how you look up case law. This is how you do this. This is how you do this. This is, this is how you, this is what terms are. This is the bullying system. is. This is how you create this. They gave me like the, um, the, 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 the legal battles 101 crash course while I'm fighting this Miller resentencing because they, I guess they see my potential and they, they allowed me to help them. They allowed me where so many lawyers, their ego is, is, is fucked up and, and they don't, they don't want no one in prison helping them. You know, I've, I've had other lawyers tell me, well, this is why I get paid the big bucks, you know? And then I actually went and looked up on my phone that how much public defenders are getting paid. I'm like, big bucks. What do you mean big bucks? Don't get paid that much, man. So it's like, I, I, I really, I give it up to them, man. Those two brilliant lawyers that, that, that took me through the crash course. And now I'm doing it though. Now I'm helping people out. Now I, you know, if someone wants to look up a case, if someone wants to look up these terms, I don't do, I don't look it up for them. I show them, okay, this is what this means. This is how you use a quotation mark. This is what the at symbol means and use it to phrase like this. Okay. You can create two different parts of, of, of two, you could create two different phrases and, and find out what you're looking for. So I am, Every day, every day, you know, a lot of people in the law libraries don't like to work the front desk because you have to deal with a lot of people. So that's why wherever I go, I tell them, put me in the front desk because the front desk is always going to do me two things. It's going to allow me to keep learning stuff, to keep learning law, to keep learning new things that people need help with. And it's also going to allow me to teach them, teach them, yo, this is how you look up case law. This is how you, 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 you take these ideas that you had before and turn them into two push them on the computers, man. Um, mm -hmm. Something they took from us, though, was the way to which really messed up a lot of us um, was the jurisprudences, you know, the American jurisprudences and the Florida jurisprudences. They took all of them from us because they feel that, you know, it's not law. It's not law. It's just, you know, teaching people about law. It's, it's not actually, you know, they, 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 they just want to give us the least amount of things all basically a law library all it has is these computers they have case law they has it has statutes and it has rules the books we have are just um the southern the 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 the, 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 the 
Southern Seconds and the Southern Thirds, and mm. we have the, the Federal Digests, and that's all we have here. Mm. You know, mm. we don't actually have stuff that, that teaches you theory. We don't have stuff that teaches you how to make arguments. We don't have things that, that, that teaches you how to, to, to write briefs. Everything is trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. And the worst part about it is usually the trial and error starts with our stuff. So by the time we become good at law, we have messed our shit up. You know, now we can help other people, but a lot of people in here have life sentences still because they didn't know how to bring these arguments to to the table when, when it was time for them to bring the arguments to the table. So we met because, among other things, you asked me to send you a copy of Rachel Barca's new book, which, I mean, I wish I had law students who were as engaged and as excited about learning new ideas about law like like you are. And I, I wonder if you could just reflect a little bit or talk a little bit about your interest in the law and where you'd like to see yourself someday. I mean, would you like to be a lawyer? For sure. I would love to be a lawyer. Um, I think my interest started with realizing that I'm not the only one in here with a life sentence as a juvenile. I'm not the only one in here that, 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 that made some horrible choices as a child and is being blamed for it. And I realized that it wasn't a brilliant brief that changed the law. It wasn't a brilliant lawyer that changed the law. It was the times that changed the law. It was science that changed Miller versus Alabama. So just that right there shows that law, because I, before this, I studied a lot of ancient symbology. I studied a lot of ancient philosophy and all that stuff. You know, uh, uh, I got into Manly P. Hall, how he elucidated all these, these, these ancient philosophers and, 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 and symbology and stuff. However, that stuff becomes stagnant. That stuff, you, you read 10 spiritual books, you don't read them all. With law, this is the only philosophy that is constantly changing, constantly evolving, constantly turning into something new and something better. You know, even when the horrible case law comes out, it's better because now you have, we, you, they've given people so much to, to, to battle this stuff and create these ideas and create these, these challenges. It's, it's, it's a constant challenge where when you try to challenge Plato, when you try to challenge Aristotle, it doesn't work anymore. You know, you can't challenge Aristotle. He's been dead for hundreds of years, man. But because it's constantly changing, we can constantly challenge it. So, yes, I would love to be a lawyer. I would love to be a lawyer, but sometimes I don't let myself play with those ideas, right? Because I, I'm going to get out at the earliest at the age of 41. And it's not saying that people don't become lawyers in their early 40s. It's saying that a lot of people have a difficult time after doing 25 years on, in the free world. Right. So I don't I don't want to set myself up for failure by having all these grand ideas, by having all these grand challenges that I want to put myself through. Um, if there was any way I could do it while I was in here, you know, if there was a way that I could to could could I got nine more years. If there was a way I could go to law school while I was in here, for sure, I would jump out and, and jump right into a freaking courtroom. Right. But I don't know if that's possible. I don't, it might be possible one day. Right. Um, but right now it's not. So I'm cool with being a paralegal. I would love to be a lawyer, of course, but I'm cool with being a paralegal even when I get out. You know, um, it'll put me in that same legal realm. It'll put me in that same place. I just, you know, I can't make the arguments, but I can write. I can write. I've gotten very good because of in here, 
I, I, we don't, I, I don't make arguments in front of judges for people. You know, I do motions. I, I do motions. I do briefs. I do these type of things that I can still do as a paralegal. You know, I can still write these, these, these memorandums. I can still write these, these motions and, and give them to lawyers and then help people out. Um, but yes, of course, I would love to be a lawyer. That would be dope. I mean, and even different types of lawyers too. I'm looking into, you know, um, criminal, of course, criminal, being a, being a criminal lawyer. And being, being a criminal lawyer that specializes in, in, in post-conviction because post-conviction is such a specific type of law that is not taught to you in law school. Uh, it's, what's taught is, 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 is appeals, doing briefs, and that's it. But there's so much stuff to do before and after the brief, you know, that that is not taught in law school and things that I've self-taught myself. You know, I, I, I self-taught um, and I would love to be able to, even if it's just getting grants, getting grants and helping prisoners, you know, doing doing uh, uh, IAC claims, man, that would be dope, man. Also, mm-hmm. I think, which is, 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 is an amazing, and I don't know too much about it because there's not a lot of law firms for it, of course, but it's, it's civil rights. You know, to do civil rights. I've done a few civil rights complaints, 1983s and stuff in here. So just the idea of doing civil rights, because that's what changes things too, right? Criminal law mm-hmm. changes things, but civil rights changes it changes changes worlds, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and getting getting into this revolutionary aspect, I had to get into these different civil rights movements of different countries of of, of, of different different times. And civil rights is is, is amazing. And mm-hmm. so if I could be a civil rights attorney and, and, and fight for people that 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 actually, you know, that, that's actually going to change things. If I could fight for, for the injustices that's going on, man, I think that would be brilliant, too. Mm, mm, um, mm, mm, mm. Well, King, I told you a little bit about, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it's been, it's been really great talking to you about this. I think you would make a fantastic lawyer, and I hope that we can make this a regular feature. I'd love to get more of your insights on what it's like to be a prisoner, what it's like to be someone studying law in prison. For sure. I would love to do that. Actually, it's it's, it's, it's great you say that too, because I actually wanted to start my own podcast called uh, Shank Radio. Right. And that's, and that's the name of my, uh, a Twitter handle it's King mm. underscore Shank Radio, and that's why I made it because I've, I've always had the idea of doing a podcast. So I would love to just do something regularly with you. You know, we awesome. can, we can whenever, whenever you want, I would be down for this. Man. Awesome. There's still a lot of my story I haven't told, and there's still so much that we have to talk about. You know, for sure. Let's schedule something for next week, and I look forward to talking to you again. For sure, for sure. That's what's up. Awesome. Hey man, thank you, thank you so much for letting me. For, for- Pretty boy, I worked upon 
used to pocket money, but did not take it fair. I travel along my journey till I learn to rob and steal. And when I make a big haul, how happy I would feel. My father was a gambler, he taught me how to play. To always send a hand with the ace, deuce, jack, and tray. The ace and deuce are hollow, the jack it stands for game. Before I lose my money, I'll swallow in this game. I used to wear a white hat, I rode a horse so fine. I used to point up for the little girl and always called her mine. I called it up our beauty till I found it was in vain. She sent me round to Nashville to wear the ball and chain. Around came the jailer about nine o'clock. My bunch of keys was in his hand, my cell door to unlock. Now hold up your hands, prisoner, I heard the jailer say. You're bound for the penitentiary for ten long years to stay. Love all my mama's people, I love myself the best. Well, they all provide for me and the devil takes the rest. One pocket for corn whiskey, the other one for rye. Let's have a drink of high time before I go to die. 